The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. The Bavada at Odds Podcast. My name is Seth Everett. I'm joined by the head odds maker at Bavada, Patrick Morrow, as we break down the latest odds in all the major sports. NFL week to week as the playoffs are upon us. We'll break down the latest odds plus the futures. It's the Bavada at Odds podcast. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. The Super Bowl is set. We have the teams, Tampa Bay Buccaneers versus the Kansas City Chiefs. You are listening to Sean and David on the Fantasy Football Almanac. We do have lines from Bavada Sportsbook, but I don't think we're going to go too in-depth with them today. I think we're going to talk a little bit more about the games and maybe do very, very, and I stress very light analysis on the game because we're going to really be digging into the game, uh, the Super Bowl, next week. But David, man, how you doing today? You know, I'm doing all right, I would say. I I don't love that I have to watch Tom Brady in another Super Bowl, but I am feeling confident he goes up against Patrick Mahomes. So I'm hoping we can give Brady another L in the Super Bowl. Yeah, you know, um, it's uh, – let's just – I guess we'll start off the top with, with the Super Bowl. Let's just get the elephant in the room out of the way because this is the matchup, right? And um, and I think it's cool that we get it in the Super Bowl, although we've seen it deep in the playoffs. Like yesterday's Brady versus Rodgers is kind of, to me, special because anytime you get two all-time quarterbacks locking up in a gotta-have-it game, and, I, and, and I'm talking about the last two weekends of the year, I would have – I always wanted a Brady versus Rodgers Super Bowl, but we can't get that anymore. Because of, you know, they're in the same conference. <clears throat> but, you know, a Brady versus Mahomes Super Bowl, that's cool because, you know, if Mahomes stays on this stretch, I mean, he is probably the next greatest. In 10, 15 years from now, all the people that are just starting to watch the NFL are going to say he's the greatest quarterback of all time because that's how it works. So, that's cool. We're going to get to see him play in the big game. But something jumped out at me when I was watching Green Bay Tampa Bay yesterday, David. And I guess I knew it, but it's just... When you see the stat, you get hit over the head with it. Tom Brady, in 21 years, has been to the championship weekend 14 times. That's two out of three. And when you take into account that he was injured one of those years, and then one of those years he wasn't starting because he was a rookie, it's really 14 out of 19 seasons as a starting quarterback. He's been in the Super Bowl, which is, or I'm sorry, in the championship weekend, which is nuts. But there's somebody with a better percentage. Do you know who that is? Patrick Mahomes. Has a better percentage. He's been he's played in Championship Weekend three out of four years, seventy five percent of the time, and uh, he's been in the Super Bowl now two out of four years in the league. And one of those, by the way, was his rookie season when he didn't start. So, for crying out, uh, three out of three as a starting quarterback in Championship Weekend, dude is next level. Why don't you talk about the game a little bit? Because I know we we're gonna dive in crazy next week. But initial impressions, what do you think? Well, I got my Chiefs gear on, right? So <laughs> who do you think I want? Which team do you think I prefer talking about mm-hmm. today? I want to talk about the Chiefs. And which, one player... Which means, by the way, the, just to quickly cut in, which means I guess I have to talk about the ta- Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but you called the Chiefs first and you're wearing the hat, so take it away, man. <laughs> yeah, you can talk about Tom Brady. As a Ravens fan, born and raised in New England, I don't have a whole lot of energy for that. <laughs> yeah, right. for the Chiefs... I'll go on all day. I'll I'll scream into the mic. I don't care. I will go on all day. And there is one player in particular who I want to talk about. 
And if you follow me on Twitter at all, I'm sure you know who this player is. It is the king, the one, the only, <laughs> the greatest tight end of all time, Yeah, Travis Kelsey. What this guy is doing is absolutely unbelievable. It's unmatched. Mm-hmm. It is unmatched. Let's just talk. Let's take a few minutes to talk about Travis Kelsey and what he has done, okay? He has produced 80 receptions in 1,000 yards in five straight seasons. 80 receptions, 1,000-plus yards, five straight seasons. The only other active players who have done that, Julio Jones and Antonio Brown. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. Larry, Larry Fitzgerald, who just retired, Larry Fitzgerald as well. So he's producing at a Hall of Fame wide receiver level. Tony Gonzalez never even did this five straight years of 80-plus receptions in 1,000-plus yards. The, the only guy who's, I guess, Gronk as well, but the o- only guy who production-wise has an argument against Kelsey, he hasn't even done this 80-plus 80, mm-hmm. 80 and 1,000-plus in five straight. And then we talk about what has he done recently. He's getting better. He, he's not getting worse. He's, get, he's getting older. He's getting better, though. We don't even know if he's peaked yet. His last three years are his best three years. He's got 97 yeah. plus in 1,200 plus in three straight seasons. 97 plus in 1,200 plus. This past year, he was the number uh, seven, I believe. Number seven highest scoring non-quarterback. Only six people outscored him. You want to know who those six people were? Can I Alvin guess? Kama- okay, you Go got Kamara, <clears throat> uh, yeah. Dalvin Cook, I would imagine, was one of them. Yep. And there's seven, right? I don't think I'm going to get all seven. There's um, six. Kelsey's the seven. Okay, so there, then there's four more. I'm trying to think. Uh, Metcalf, DK Metcalf? No? You got two wide receivers, or three wide receivers. I'm not going to get there. It's going to take me too long. Why don't you just go ahead and finish it up? So we got Alvin Kamara, mm-hmm. Devontae Adams, mm. Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry, Tyreek Hill and Stephon Diggs. Those Tyreek Hill surprises me. And, and Diggs a little bit too, but, I mean, obviously great seasons. Diggs also played 16 games. Travis Kelsey only played 15 games. He finished, we're talking raw points. He finished behind only six non-quarterbacks, and he didn't even play week 17. <laughs> if you want to talk about points per game and or raw points either or, he was the RB4 yeah. this past year. And what I'm trying to spin this ahead to a little bit, because we'll cover this throughout the offseason. Yeah. But I want to pitch Travis Kelsey not just as a top five redraft pick, but 101 overall next year. He's the first pick overall next year. He's the RB4 in points per game. So if you classify him as a running back, he's already a top four pick. And what makes the difference here, which I'll cover throughout the offseason extensively, is the misconception that running back scarcity scarcity is worse than tight end scarcity. People want to push Travis Kelsey down the board because of one idea. They think, I have to start two running backs but only one tight end, so I have to go mm-hmm. running back over tight end round one. I have to. I start two running backs. I only got to start one tight end. You look at the numbers, running backs outnumber tight ends by far more than two to one, mm-hmm. by three to one, four to one, even five to one, especially when you're talking about above 10 points per game. It is mathematically more difficult to fill one out of one tight end position than it is to fill two out of two running back positions. This should be elevating Travis Kelsey up the board when he's already 
top mm-hmm. four, RB4 in points per game. He is a legitimate top three selection next year, and there's no argument against him at the 101. You know, I, no, that's my <laughs> no, you know, I, I agree with you. And, you know, for the people that are big running back heavy, I'm a running back heavy guy. You know, if you follow me or if you read the fantasy football almanac and stuff, I've always been, hey, draft heavy running back at the top. And to a certain degree, uh, degree, I believe that. But also I do the tiers again, as readers know, as you know, David, as we talked about, you know, all of last season, you know, I do tiers and some some wide receivers get in there like, you know, um, in recent seasons, Michael Thomas, obviously. I've always I've always had Tyreek Hill, by the way, in there. I know he had a bad year in 2019, but I've always had Tyreek Hill because of the, the potential of this offense. But Travis Kelsey, another thing I did, I started publishing this this year, was fantasy par, FN par I call it, in the um in the in the almanac. And Travis Kelsey is always, always among the top five. And the reason that I bump him down is because if you look at like a fantasy pros average draft position, it's not because his potential isn't there. His replacement value, in my opinion, and to your argument, like all year, and I'll credit you with this because I've even come around even more so since we've been starting doing this podcast with, with you from what you've been saying. Um, it, it, his replacement value, it's he's unreplaceable. It's him and Kittle, and then it, it's a deep drop, in my opinion, to Waller. And to the other guys, Gronk had a nice season, but he was kind of up and down. Now it's even more great in the receiving game. I agree with you, man. I think Travis Kelsey, you can make definite argument to take 101. And I made a big move during this season in my keeper league to get Kelsey, and I gave up a lot. I gave up Ezekiel Elliott plus to get Kelsey back because of that scarcity. It's impossible. And like you said, dude, he is getting better. There, I mean, I, I'm I'm with you. I, I would. I want to keep going. Go Can I it. hop back in because yeah. I said I was done. I mean, this is my favorite topic to talk about, <laughs> so I'll keep going. Like I said, all that because you bring up valid points about not only the running backs but mm-hmm. the tight end dropped. This year we had Kelsey 20.9 points per game. Number two, Waller 17.4. So that's already mm-hmm. like a three three and a half point drop. Just the tight end too. Mm-hmm. So you have a three and a half point advantage over everyone in your league. Mm-hmm. Kittle was tight end three at 15.6. So you have a five point advantage over everybody but two teams in your league. And then after that, it's about a 10 point per game drop. Mark mm-hmm. Andrews, 12.2. Tanyan, 11. Uh, Logan Thomas, 11. Hawkinson, 10.9 points per game. And 15 other tight ends who average 8.5 to 10.6 yep. point per game. So it's essentially three tight ends and then just a cluster, f- you know. Of yeah, just, flip or whatever. <laughs> yeah, it, cluster, yeah flip. cluster flip. <laughs> of, you know, you know what word we're trying yeah, to right, insert right. there. Of just yeah. replacement level value. Even yeah. the guys, Andrews, Tanya, Thomas, who had good years, they were like one to two points per game above Jared Cook and Jimmy Graham. Yeah, right. Like, so getting one of those top three tight ends is an absolute difference maker. And then you talk about next year. Some people are going to be coming around on those top three. If you're picking one-on-one, there is absolutely no guarantee that Kittle and Waller are still on the board by the time you pick at 212 with your second pick. And to go back to the running backs, which is the main point here, people are scared to pass up those top five running backs because they feel like, I need a stud, I need an RB1, Mm -hmm. and I need to get it in round one. But you look at the history, Travis Kelsey has been tight end one in five straight years five straight season the tight end one that is predictable you look at running backs there hasn't been a running back to repeat as the rb1 since 2002 and 2003 lt in back-to-back seasons priest holmes, it was oh priest holmes. I, don't even know, I don't even know if lt did it oh wow it, it doesn't happen 
Yeah. You don't see running backs go back-to-back as the RB1 overall. So I can pretty much guarantee if you're planning on taking Kamara next year, he ain't going to repeat. And if it's McCaffrey, maybe. But the point is here, the further point is here, you don't need to get your running back in round one. Historically, more running RB1s are coming from rounds not in round one than in round one. Look at this past year. Six out of 12 RB1s had ADPs outside of round one. Nick Chubb, round two. JT, round three. Mm-hmm. Kareem Hunt, round five. Montgomery, round six. Robinson, undrafted. Mike Davis, undrafted. And those are just top 12 RBs in raw points. Mm-hmm. Add in RB13 through 28. Gibson, Melvin Gordon, Swift, McKissick, Rojo, David Johnson, Dobbins, Edmonds, Gaskins. McKissick. Add in all the, add in all the streamers right. towards the end of the Pollard, Jeff Wilson, Wayne Gallman, all these guys who didn't even hit 15 points. And you start to get this idea. You can get RB1 production from players that aren't coming from the first round. Especially in PPR. Especially and in look, PPR. Historically, this year, people want to point to this year and say, okay, this running back class was great. It inflated that. No, it didn't. In 2019, 7 out of 12 running backs, ADPs outside of round one. 2018, 5 out of 12 RB1s. ADP outside of round one. 2017, 8 out of 12 RB1s. ADP outside of round one. 2016, 9 out of 12 RB1 finishers outside of round one. ADP. 2015, 11 out of 12 RB1 finishers. ADPs outside of round one. There's so much seasonal and weekly turnover at this position. Mm -hmm. You can find weekly RB1 production. From players that ain't, ain't even sniffing the first round in ADP. Mm-hmm. Tight end is the complete opposite. It's predictable. Year after year after year, it's the same tight end. I already told you Kelsey finished tight end one five years in a row. You take Travis Kelsey 101, it maximizes your potential across mm-hmm. your scoring potential mm-hmm. across all of those positions, especially if you're hitting on those non-round one running backs like the JTs of the world, the Montgomery's, Gibson, Swiss, which you should be if you're doing your homework. You should be hitting on these non-round one running backs. Travis Kelsey is not just arguably my 101 next year. I don't even have to think about it. I'm smashing him at the 101. I think, you know, if if you were starting a new dynasty league or if it's a redraft league or something like that and you end up with a pick, I think I would prefer the number three pick because you know that Dalvin Cook and Christian McCaffrey, or maybe even the four because Derrick Henry, I think he can throw in there too. Those guys are going to probably go one through three with average draft position. <laughs> and then I take Kelsey and then hope, hope a digs. Or a um a, or a Tyreek Hill. I don't care. I go double chief if I have to. Hope one of those guys, and then take my take my chances with the running back on the swing at three. I'm with you. I'm with you. And I never would have said that before. And I think this running back bias comes from like back when I started originally. I started playing fantasy sports when I was like a, a teenager. So I'm talking like back in the '90s, and that was when you had thirty. Um, you know, three down running backs. Maybe you had maybe like 20 three down running backs and you had to get those three down running backs or you were screwed at the position. Now you get teams rotating three running backs in the game. And so you're right, man. I mean, the, the running back position is diluted. The pass heavy um, wide receivers, there's a there's an upper echelon of wide receivers that you have to be in if you really want to go into that. And then after that, they're replaceable. Tight end is not replaceable. It's the least replaceable position in fantasy sports. And I agree with you. If you're thinking about your lineup tactically, and I always say this in the book, think about think about your your um, your competitive advantage week to week. That's why I don't mind if you can predict a defense like the Steelers are always getting sacks and turnovers, even if their defense isn't great. 
Even if they're giving up points, they get sacks and turnovers. It's okay to splurge on them a little early. If you're if you have a choice of like you know Tucker or um, at, at kicker, you know Justin Tucker or um, what's his face? Um, his name escapes me. The Patriot. Or I'm sorry, the Chiefs kicker. Who? Uh, Butker. 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 You know, these guys. Credit to Ku, too. Ku had a hell of a year. Yeah, you're right. He did. But, if, you know, for I look at him, though, and I see a little bit of volatility. I look at Baltimore and Kansas City. They're always scoring. They're always kicking yeah, field goals. And they and hit their out. field goals. And so, like, when I when I tell people in the book, you know, you're in a 16-round draft. Draft your kicker in round 15 or round 14 because of the replaceability. J.D. McKissick, you could have had freaking undrafted. Um, James Robinson, for a lot of leagues out there, was undrafted. Like, these guys... If you draft them early, everybody, the, the league mechanism forces you to fill the slot. If you draft them early, these other players have to draft those other positions, and you're going to get your guy anyway. So that's why I say like competitive advantage, if you look at that, if you're savvy with, um, and it does take a lot of work and a lot of research for defense and kicker to find like the, the, the really, it's two per year, basically. Washington, I think, is the big sleeper next year for defense, but we'll take care of that in the offseason. Uh, it's not even going to be a sleeper, but I think, you know. They're not going to be drafted as early as the 49ers. But again, I don't want to get in that tangent. Um, but if Kelsey gives you, like you were saying, over 10 teams in your league, if you're in a 12-team league, over 10 teams in your league, he's going to give you 10 points a week. Over the course of the season, that's, you know what, 130 points in the regular season? That and that that's gets you? just points per game started to cut in, which is doesn't even fully sell the fact. Yeah. Because you look at those tight ends who are at 11 points per game, 10 points per game, Hawkinson, uh, yeah. Logan Thomas, and Tanya. Hawkinson was the only one who was started start to finish. People missed out on those Logan Thomas and Tanyan points early on until they realized, all right, these guys yeah. are breaking out. we got to give them the lineup. Mm-hmm. So it's even more than 10 points in a lot of circumstances. Yeah, you're right. And then, you know, with kicker and with defense, if you can get that extra three or four points per game, which you can if you go a little bit early. And I'm not saying draft them in like the fifth round or something like that. It's nuts. But if you can get like a Pittsburgh in round 12, they get Pittsburgh in round 12. Take Cash in that three-point-per-game advantage um, you know, and I wouldn't say draft a kicker that early by any means either, but you know, try to be on the start of the curve of the defense and the kicker and then go in because at the end of the draft, let's face it. I mean, how much turnover does your roster have? That's another thing fantasy people don't think about. They think about, I'm going to ace my draft and these are going to be my starters. You rotate like half of your roster throughout the season. A lot of those guys from rounds, I'd say like 12 to 16, maybe even 10 to 16, if you're not the best draft in the world, you're going to be cutting them. And in week one, I guarantee you, every single week week one of the fantasy football season, you drop two players and you pick up two players at a minimum. Because there are two players that nobody had on their, their radar. They're just like, holy crap, they went 100 yards and two touchdowns. I got I to gotta at least see if this is going to pan out for the rest of the year. So yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm with you. There's a lot of stuff you can do tactically in the draft to give you um, consistent little shout-out to Bob Lung there. Consistent um, return on your roster. Kelsey at the top, I'm 100% with you. Um, and that matters more, especially in leagues with only one flex, especially one quarterback's yeah. leagues, one flex. Having less starters, it, it it provides more value to having a good defense or a good kicker because you need to find advantage because you don't have that second flex to find an advantage at or a super flex spot. To find. Yeah. So you have to kind of maximize that kicker and that defense as well. If you're in a one flex league, I don't even mind drafting two tight ends in the first four rounds or nah, maybe five rounds just because you can flex one of those tight ends out. And then, and then that competitive advantage gets even better for you for having Kelsey. Plus, you have a little bit of a you know trade power too. You can hold people you know um, for ransom when they're desperate for a tight end. You can say, okay, well, I'll take your top two running backs or something like that, or 
your top, maybe not your top two, but you know what I'm saying. Um, let's talk about, look, next elephant in the room here, okay? Let's switch it back. We had Green Bay and Tampa Bay. Let me shout out to you, because you actually, I had a great week in betting. You went six for six in your picks. I went five out of six. We absolutely nailed it. I had a good it. week, too. Yeah, so, you, week too. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, th- this podcast, we absolutely nailed it. The only one that we disagreed on for picks last week, you know, in terms of spread, over, under, all that stuff, is you picked the over on the Chiefs-Bills game. I picked the under, but everything else we had correct across the board. Um, so, kudos to you, David, for beating me, but, you know, I'm not, uh, not going to be crying over a five out of six week. That's a good week. But, um, so, Tampa Bay, let me see, the, the spread when we talked – earlier in the week was Tampa Bay Bavada had it plus four. Okay. Um, both you and me thought that Tampa Bay could win this game outright. And they did. But let me say this. A couple things stuck out to me. One, nobody's talking about this, but I've actually railed on LaFleur about this in recent weeks. He is so quick to go for two and completes, you take, completely takes them off the path to me, to victory. Um, going for two at the end of the fourth quarter there, that's to me signals two things. One, he thinks he's going to shut Tampa Bay out the rest of the game, which was never going to happen. And we'll talk about that in a bit too, because the defense was pathetic for Green Bay on third downs. So I'll talk about that in a bit. Um, and I forgot what the second thing is, but that's the big thing is, is they take them off because it, here's what I think of as a head coach. I'm thinking, okay, I look, I can close this gap to three if I go for two or I could kick the extra point. And if I kick the extra point, I'll be down four. Tampa Bay's probably going to get a field goal in the fourth quarter. I come back, I get the touchdown and the extra point. Um, I tie the game up and we'll take our chances. That's how I see it. I'm trying to, based on how the Green Bay defense was playing that game, I'm thinking the most I can ask of my defense is to hold them to a field goal. And they did that. They did that. They held them to a field goal. But because they went for two, it completely biffed and screwed up the rest of the game. Thoughts on that, David, and thoughts about, and yes, we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about the fourth down in just a bit too. I don't have, I, I'm trying to criticize analytic decisions mm. less and less because I'm not an analytics person, or I shouldn't say, at least in those decision makings, I'm not. Mm well-versed mm-hmm. so I don't want to put too much on the floor but I will I will play the devil's advocate because the defense was playing better in the second half against they Tom were. Brady they were st- they were turning them over they were it, it was looking like turn of momentum at one point to the Green Bay maybe making a comeback so mm-hmm. I don't hate kicking the field if you think your defense is going to stop Tom Brady but then again play devil's advocate to myself it's tom freaking brady like mm. you gotta have a little bit higher expectations for for what the guy's able to do in the playoffs i think you know so here's how it, what i think about this field goal i'm gonna give you a couple analytics because everybody always talks about bec- because analytics is what i like to say why do you do that because analytics nobody can tell you why because analytics because some some people who never who never played sports but they sit and with quantitative computers and all that stuff. They tell you that there's a 10.5% win probability. It's like these Amazon commercials. They talk about like the Leonard Fournette run is a 0.4% chance of him getting a touchdown. I'm so, every 20-yard freaking touchdown is a 0.4 chance. They happen every game. This analytics mean nothing. Absolutely nothing. So as somebody who likes analytics. Tell me how you really feel, Sean. I like analytics. I'm going to give you a couple analytics, and I'll, and I'll prove my point in just a second. Because everybody out there who's listening and watching is just like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to type to this guy and tell him how stupid he is. Because, I, look, 
I like math, okay? I like analytics. Analytics are a tool to help you make decisions. And by the way, the analytics there, if you looked in Twitter and everything, they're like, oh, well, man, a bunch of people, I'm wearing glasses too. Well, the win probability there, it is a little bit better if you go for uh, if you go for the touchdown, but not as much as you'd think. It's a 10.4% chance of win probability. Let me tell you what the analytics don't account for. You have a Hall of Fame some people would argue best quarterback of all time and the number one scoring offense during the regular season. And you're on the eight-yard line. And you're down by eight points instead of seven because LaFleur decided to go for two, like a moron, and missed it. And he takes the ball out of his hands, out of Aaron Rodgers' hands, and he says, you know what? I'm going to bet on a defense that couldn't get me off the field all day on a third and 14. How many third and 14s did Tom Brady you know, convert. Now, the four, you mentioned the turnovers. They were turning Tom Brady over. On those turnovers, there were blitzes off the edge where Brady threw the ball up to Mike um, Mike Evans, like was, I think, two of them, if I'm not mistaken. Threw him up for Mike Evans to make the, uh, make the play, and he didn't. Um, one of them was that throw over the middle that was just a shade high, but that play was there. That play was there. He was open. Brady missed the throw. Brady's not going to four drives in a row miss the throw. He, I wouldn't have said three drives in a row, but he did. So you're basically praying that your defense gets another interception in basically run-heavy situations. And the Packers were good against the run, but every time Sullivan, number 39, came in for Green Bay, they ran a freaking inside slant or a, or a seam or an in, and he couldn't cover it. And then they went, and we'll talk about the end of the first half, too, because I was nuts. I was rooting for Green Bay, if you can't tell. And, and all congrats to Tampa Bay, because they absolutely were ready. Absolutely were ready for this game. Uh, and they took advantage. But I'm going to give you some analytics that proves my point. All right? Analytically speaking, David, okay? I'm going to put you in, in Matt LaFleur's, not his exact position, but I'm going to put him in his position. All right? You're the head coach of the Green Bay Packers in that situation. You with me so far? Your analytics. Your, your, the cheese, yeah, yeah. Your, your crack oh staff. God. Your crack staff comes see you with paper. And they say, you got to look at this. You got to look at this. You look through the paper. And they say, the paper says that your, math, your crack math team says, look, if you chop off your wiener right now, your, chan- you your, cha- there, your chances of getting herpes <laughs> drop. Your chances oh, of getting herpes. Hey, it's an analytic, man. It's an analytic. If you chop it off right now, your, your, your chances of getting herpes drops precipitously. Do you do it? When you, when you put it like that, I have to consider it, right? <laughs> Right. Let me. T- I'll give you another great. I'll give you another great analytic. Computer guys, come down the room. You, you gotta look at this, David. You gotta look at this. You gotta look at this. Fourth, fourth and eight. Fourth and eight from the goal line. You gotta look at this. You gotta look at these analytics. If you shoot yourself in the face right now, you're not gonna die of dysentery next week. There's an analytic. Hundred percent. You kill yourself. You shoot yourself in the face right now. You're not gonna die of dysentery next week. Gotta do it. It's an analytic. Hundred percent. I don't know what dysentery is, but it doesn't. Neither do good. I, but it was in Oregon Trail, and I played Oregon Trail to date myself a little bit. So and so, David died of dysentery. You will not die of dysentery, David. You shoot yourself in the face. I don't today. know if I was even alive when the Oregon Trail <laughs> was created. Yeah, I know. Probably neither is like probably about ninety like percent of our audience, but still. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? Like, come on, man. Situationally, analytics are great. I love analytics, but you cannot you cannot tell me with a defense and, and like I know they turned the ball over. But this defense was giving up plays, and it was the same stupid play. And I think it was was Tyron Johnson or something like that. But, I mean, that last play was, to me, obviously pass interference. And it's a shame because Aaron Rodgers' interception in the first half was also pass interference. But you got to give credit to the guy who was tugging, the Tampa Bay Buccaneer guy. He, I mean, very savvy pulls. And he pulled him ahead, and 
you know, and, and Green Bay was getting held all game, but that was an egregious hold, and stuff happens. I agree that that was pass interference. You got to call it. He had two different jersey grabs, you know, one with his other hand, and then he stopped and he pulled it again, and it, and it hurts. But they should have never been there because Green Bay should have gone for it on fourth down. Too. I, and I don't even think they would have made it. But Aaron Rodgers deserved that chance. Absolutely deserved that chance to put it in, man. Just really disappointing to watch. And when you think about it, you kick the field goal. You need a stop anyways. You need to stop them three and out to get the ball back. You might as well go for it. And then if you don't yeah. get it, you still need to stop. And you're right there at the end, at the mm-hmm. end zone. So, yeah, maybe he should have should have definitely not kicked the field goal. I, I, look, and what I think it does to a play caller on the other side, <clears throat> you know, if I'm Byron Leftwich or maybe Arians was calling plays at that point, but I think it was Leftwich still. If I'm Leftwich, I'm thinking – do I do I throw the ball here from my own eight? Like, let's just say the Packers are, you know, let's say it's it's third and six or third and four. Yeah, somewhere around there because the Packers' defense, run defense is really good at that point. All game, all game. At third and four, even with Tom Brady from your own 12-yard line, do you really take the chance to throw there given that he threw three interceptions in the last, you know, few drives? I don't know. Maybe I just run it again, take my chances, run that clock down. I, I really don't know what I do. If it's me, I probably do throw the ball because, you know, you got to put the ball in your best player's hands in your Hall of Fame or your GOAT's hands. And that's what Tom Brady is, and that's what Aaron Rodgers is. I just can't believe it happened. I can't. Yeah, Rodgers didn't sound too happy after the game. I would be livid. And I thought he controlled it because I saw some Twitter flack. Oh, you got to take responsibility and all that stuff. You went three and out, you know, so and, and he did. But I would be, like, hurt. Like, as a human, like, how do you not give me that chance and that responsibility? I've been the franchise. I've propelled Especially you. Especially after how far he's carried them this year with zero help whatsoever. League, like, league and MVP. you can't even give him that. I just, I don't, I just don't see it. I don't see it. It's just awful. It was awful coaching. And it's a coach to me that was an immature coach. That's what I thought. And I, I thought, like Matt LaFleur. I, I do. He's been a good coach so far I do. for this Green Bay team. He's won with them since he stepped in. He's unleashed players like Aaron Jones. He's gotten Devontae Adams to peak production. Like he, I think Matt LaFleur, through and through, is a good coach. I, I completely agree with you, David. But like I, I think there he lost his mind a little bit. I think he did. Like I think he's just like— it was, I, The moment was too big for him. Agreed. And he just— he just I think after he kicked the field goal, you saw him. I kind of saw him shouting on the sidelines, and I think the coaches were like, "What the heck are you doing?" And I think he was like defending himself. And I think after the game, like when everything wore off, I think he realized that, you know, you can make the hindsight is twenty twenty. I'm sorry, it was twenty twenty then. I, in the history of the NFL, I don't know that that's ever happened, and it shouldn't. It's the league MVP, and I'll say this: I don't think they would have gotten the touchdown, but he deserved the chance. And your best chance to win is the league MVP throwing the ball. And, he, and by the way, Aaron Rodgers did miss Lazard earlier in the game crossing. And let's talk about the end of the first half there. Why don't you just go ahead and rant about that for a little bit? The um, the touchdown to Scotty Miller at the end of the first half. Can you believe I'll just, that? I'll let you do the rant, and it sounds like you've got some stuff you want to get off your chest there. Yeah, I mean, I, look, I don't. I grew up in Central Florida, everybody. It's kind of like you, David, with uh, Tom Brady and growing up in, in New England area and you know just having to deal with everybody and all the Tom Brady, like... I grew up in Central Florida, so I always, in the college football, I always had to deal with the FSU fans and UF fans, 
And I was a Notre Dame fan growing up, and I always had to hear about it. It was always so annoying. And it was the Tampa Bay fans. Um, and I just couldn't stand them, man. I could not stand. I, can't, I, I shouldn't say I can't stand them now because I don't really care. But back then, I just couldn't stand them. And I was a Washington fan. And, of course, Tampa Bay beat Washington like a couple times in the playoff. Drives me nuts. So I definitely have some bias here. But again, all respect to Tampa Bay because all season long, David, you and me have been saying this is a real team. And they definitely earned their way in. So I'm not trying to take anything away from them. But at the end of that half, what are they doing? <laughs> what are they doing? Scotty Miller nonetheless. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Like, like, what are you – the cornerback. Or, I, King, what are you – it was King, right? What are you doing? Just run straight backwards. How do you let that happen? And he just let it happen. When it happened, I'm, I'm going to date myself again. The 1991 NFL season, again, I was a Washington fan. The Washington then Redskins were 11-0, and and they were playing the Dallas Cowboys, who is my, who are my least favorite team of all time. And that was a team that was one of those rare special teams that they're like dominant on defense and offense. They could make the 16-0 and run. And they, at the end of the first half, when they played the Cowboys in week 12 or week 13 or whatever it was, they freaking threw a Hail Mary, Aikman to Michael Irvin, Hail Mary. I think Dallas goes up like 24 to nothing or something like that. And that was game over. And I remember texting Brad, who hosts the Get Paid podcast with me. He's a huge Packers fan. Right after that end of the first half thing, I said, game over. Game over. Mentally, how do you come back from that? Game over. And, you know, there were so many differences in the game, that being one of them. I just can't believe it. I can't believe that happened. Did you see DeAndre Hopkins was tweeting before the play? Throw it to 10. Throw it to 10. <laughs> he did it. DeAndre Hopkins, quick with the Twitter. Reaction you knew Scotty Miller was going to do something with Antonio Brown. Yeah, and right. Tom Brady just finds a way mm-hmm. to get him involved on a big play somehow. Who knew it was going to be a Hail Mary at the end of the half, but... Yeah. You knew Miller was going to do something. I loved I loved the game. So, uh, yeah, Bovada had the, the over-under was 51. We both took the over there. Um, that was, I think, was pretty predictable. And uh, and so it goes. But I think I'm done talking. You want to wrap anything else up other than the, uh, the on that Green Bay-Tampa Bay game? There's not a whole lot for, for, to take away other than the flip-flopping of the running backs, which has been mm. interesting to say the least Playoff Lenny, Uncle Lenny, good for him. He's been running hard. Mm-hmm. He has completely saved and revitalized his dynasty value mm-hmm. and just his ranking next year, his contract next year. Yeah, right. Money. And it, it, it just it only adds concern. I mean, Ronald Jones is still a dynasty buy at his age. Yeah, I agree. It's like, is anybody ever going to just – give this guy a workhorse load or are they just going to keep kind of just not trusting him until the end of time so yeah we'll see how it plays out in the Super Bowl maybe they get Ronald Jones involved but he was uh he was the one let down of the week Uh, I did good like you said on the betting the games Mm -hmm. I bet a little bit of money on Kansas City I did a parlay bet the over the Tampa game plus Kansas City but all my DFS lineups I was doing great like up until the end I had 100% Kelsey but Ronald Jones, you know, he took care of those lineups, and yeah. I, I went from winning like a hundred bucks to zero. Yeah. In the end, so. Yeah. Thanks, you know, thanks for that, Ronald Jones. Ronald Jones is interesting. Thanks I, for that, Bruce Arians. I yeah, right. Say. I feel like because he looks good. I mean, and and I say this because I have anti-Ronald Jones bias. I've been against him for years, but he does look actually to me. He looks like a better runner. He must be missing assignments or something. Like he must be going a little bit rogue in the system for him He's to be. Had that, he had the injury. He had surgery yeah, on his hand a few true. weeks. But yeah, if I'm Fournette, by the way, I, look, 
you know, I'm sure he's going to chase money and, and, you know, respect to that. You should chase money. But if I'm Come him, back to Tampa, I would either go back to Tampa or I would explore Atlanta if they're interested. Because, you know, I, I love the pairing of his style of running with Arthur Smith. I think that's a match made in heaven if Atlanta even wants to go that. And he, you know, he played at LSU. He was in Jacksonville. He's been in the Southeast, so it's not like a big, like, culture shock or drift. Good weather. Obviously a dome in Atlanta. But one of those two, I wouldn't even explore other opportunities. It and, should depend, though, mm-hmm. because if they win the Super Bowl this year, you go you go and get that bag. You go yeah. and chase that money. You don't yeah. need to. One I, ring's enough. For, for your legacy. For, for That's what I would go do. Go and get that bag. That's what I would do. Absolutely. And um, But if you lose, maybe you come back and you re-up with Tom Brady for another run in yeah. 2021. Yeah. I mean, it really, it's, you uh, think you could argue either way. And Aaron Jones, he's not going to be back with Green Bay. So I wonder where he's going to go. That's, it solidified his, uh, yeah. his, his, and his departure, I think, pretty much this game. Yeah. You know, Jamal Williams has been the most consistent in my art because I have Aaron Jones in my dynasty. And it's it, to my horror, Green Bay just started going away from him. And I know he was injured yesterday. So that's, that's one thing. But, you know, Jamal Williams has been the most consistent carrier there. And, you know, D- Dylan's going to have a lot more of a role next season. And Aaron Jones is going to go. He's going to get some money somewhere. I'm curious to see where he goes because he can fit into any offense. So. That'd be interesting. San Fran, San Fran, San Ooh, Fran, San Fran. That would be nice. That would be lovely. That would, but... be, that would be more than lovely. Yeah, we'll see. Um, let's talk about uh, Kansas City-Buffalo. That game, honestly, it went about as exactly as I thought it would go. Um, you know, Buffalo, they made a good run. You know, I didn't think that Buffalo, and you actually were heavier on Kansas City than I was because I thought I thought all along that Mahomes would play um, and that Kansas City was going to handle Buffalo, but... I also said that if Henny played, I thought Buffalo would win. But and you said you thought Kansas City would win regardless. And I do believe that you were right. I think if if you know if in an alternate universe Henny played, Kansas City won that game. Kansas City's defense is ready to go. Uh, they won that game, no problem. So good and for they, Kansas City. they were just out 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 coached Buffalo. I mean, yeah. Andy Reid was just in his bag. I mean, just scheming like they were getting. Tyreek Hill, the ball in space, you know, just quick little passes. Oh gosh, Kelsey so was just unguardable. Like, I don't know if they would have lost even with Chad Henney. I mean, Daryl Williams was running well. I mean, mm. and it's the defense. That's what we talked about. That's what we talked about last week, why I felt like even with Henney, their defense held Buffalo to 17 points in the first game. They held them to 24 in this game. Josh Allen barely completed half of his passes. Like, they, they kept digs in check for most of the game. I mean, it's just the defense is playing well in Kansas City right now. They are, and and this we saw the same thing last year, man. The defense just got a little bit better, and nobody talks about the defense because the offense is so good. The defense is a good defense, above average. I wouldn't say they're a great defense. They're an above-average defense, and um, nobody really talks. I think they're the ninth-rated defense in the league, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, they're top 10 D. They're top third of the league D, and that offense is so that offense is so good. You know, and we've only really seen one team, maybe a couple, but only one team really give that team, that offense, uh, and specifically Kelsey and Hill problems. And it was Tampa Bay for part of the game. So I do think it's going to be interesting. Now, uh, Kansas City coming into the game, it was Kansas City, Bavada had at minus three, which I thought, you know, that was the bet of the weekend. Because Kansas City all season, first of all, they're a 14-2 team. Second of all, I don't think that they played up to their potential all year long, other than the games like against the Baltimores, against the Buffaloes, games where they were, like had to be up to to win. They were up and they won, you know. Um, 
They lost the last week of the season to the Chargers when they didn't play anybody, and they lost a game to uh, to the Raiders, who just happened to outscore on the defense, played awful that game. They still put up 30 points in that game. So, you know, Kansas City, they're going to be ready to go. What was the over? I, I really thought that the defense for Buffalo would give Kansas City, I'm not saying problems, but a little bit more problems. I thought it was going to be like 27-24, which is why it was on the under. Bavada had, uh, it was 54 was the over for Bavada. And, uh, you know, you took the over, David, and you cashed <laughs> You cashed in. Good for you. Good for you. Ah, uh, but you know, I look at I look ahead, and again, we're not going to go too heavy into it. But Kansas City, second time they've played. Andy Reid, two weeks to game plan. I think Kansas City is going to win this game, and I'm, I'm not. We're not going to talk line yet, but I think that they're going to cover the spread. Like if this if the spread is under seven, I'm taking Kansas City. What do you think? I think it opened at three and a half. I saw on Twitter yesterday. Three and a half. It was either three or three and a half, I believe. I'm gonna put my money right after this. I will be logging on to Bavada and I will be sinking some cash in on Kansas City because. See, um, I don't feel comfortable betting on this game at all. What I because, do uh-huh. because it's Tom Brady. Yeah. You don't know. You know, it's like it's like a fifty-fifty coin flip to me. I feel just as comfortable flipping a coin and betting on heads or tail as I do betting on this game i do think that um you know i don't know what the over is but i I tend to think that because of tampa bay's defense and actually kansas city's defense playing well i think the i think you'll find some value in the over under again we'll talk about that next week we'll talk about props um and by the way i know Brate has been catching a lot of passes lately i think it's going to be the gronk show in tampa bay i know he's going to be a blocker but i think he'll be more effective in the passing game i think he had over 100 yards the last time they played again we'll, we'll dig into all that six next for week. one yeah, yeah we'll get into it next week but he did he had 106 yards i think gronk and kelsey are going to be on display i think tampa bay is going to try to double cover both gronk and um and Tyreek hill. hill hill who went for 269 first yards quarters. three touchdowns <laughs> yeah. first time they played it's it's going to be it's going to be a game i like i like kansas city man they seem to rise to the occasion and look if it was Kansas City versus Tampa Bay, same situation. First of all, Andy Reid would have gone for it, obviously, like everybody else in the world would have gone for it. Kansas City would have won that game, in my opinion. They probably would have scored 14 points in the last two minutes and won the game. That's my opinion. And also, by the way, uh, uh, an underrated storyline, in my opinion, this, this week, Spagnola is the defensive coordinator for Kansas City, who was the architect both for the defense last year that um, – Actually, they didn't play last year. I apologize. Um, but who was the architect for the New York Giants defenses that won the Super Bowl against Tom Brady? Oh, get to Tom Brady with four pass rushers. Brady doesn't want to play a Spagnuolo defense. I mean, it's Brady. He doesn't really care that much. But, you know, he knows. He knows who's on the other side. So uh, it's going to be a fun game, though. Man, it's going to be a good game. A lot of and red. Just like you predicted another, this is a small storyline, but we got Antonio Brown versus... Le'Veon Bell in the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah. Basically a big F you to the Steelers. <laughs> to, the Steelers <laughs> to the Steelers who started on fire and then completely fizzled out. They finally got rid of Feekner, by the way, Randy Feekner, which is, I think, a good thing. Um, we'll see who they're – I don't know if they've made a selection. Offensive coordinators, all that stuff, will be running through that in the offseason as well. So so you're, you think it's a coin flip, this game? Yeah, I'll just be enjoying this game. I won't be betting on one team or the other. I might do it uh, – 
DFS lineup or two, but I'm gonna I'm gonna bet Kansas City now, and then I'll check in um, right before game time. See what the see what Bavada see how the line has shifted, and pr- hope hope that the line has switched to like Kansas City minus six or something like that, and then I'll bet on Kansas City and I'll try to or uh, I'll bet on Tampa and try to get in the Goldilocks zone. I'll put like fifty now and then fifty in a couple weeks, and I'll hope hope I hit the Goldilocks zone. I'm just gonna do squares so that way. <laughs> there you go. If the the team I'm not expecting to win wins, I I don't have to hold it against myself for betting the wrong team. My wife did square. She got the nine and the five. Oh, it's like I don't know if you can find worse ones. <laughs> nine and five. Yeah. What are the best squares? What are the best squares? You this want? this day with everybody going for two every now and then, it always whacks you off the um, seven. I shouldn't have said that. The, it always it takes you <laughs> off. It always takes you off the uh, the seven. The sevens and the threes and all that stuff. Yeah, what did I just say? Yeah, just immediately. Do you have to uh, censor that for YouTube? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's wax off. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Karate Kid. Censored. Yeah, the um, yeah, that was that was uh, that was. I'm not gonna edit it out because I'm lazy, but uh, yeah, shouldn't have shouldn't have gone there. It's all right. It takes it takes you off the path of the sevens and the threes. But I like the zero and the zero because you start zero and zero. A seven and a three gets you back to zeros. I like the zero zero. That's my favorite. It used to be seven and like seven and three, but zero zero. I mean, you start winning at that point. So if everybody just holds serve, you get a quarter. That's nice. Zero zero. That's where I'd pick. I, I, you know what? I think squares they should value the good squares and make you pay for the square. Like if it's like a five dollar entry, maybe to buy the zero zero, you buy. You know, it's it costs like ten or fifteen bucks. I'm sure mathematicians like in their group of friends with the analytics. The same guy. <laughs> The same guy's telling this, LaFleur. This square to... is five thirty-two. This square is four dollars and seventeen cents. This one is a dollar eighty-three. I don't know if you want that one. You might want to buy two of the dollar eighty-three. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, what's the what's the better spend for fifteen bucks? Would you rather have ten weird squares? Like, would you rather have ten nine and nines? A field goal. That's game? why I should. That's why I should be random. You, and then you don't get to pick your number. Yeah, it's true. Randoms are fun too. Anyway, uh, on that note, man, uh, we're going to be talking digging deep into this uh, to the stats, the lines, all that stuff next week. Uh, the prop bets, which will be a lot of fun. Um, Travis Kelsey over. Yep, and for me, Gronk. <laughs> I'm, I'm betting on the tight ends to go over in both of these things. So it's going to be good, man. It's going to be real good. All right, man. On that note, I'm excited, man. This is a, this is a really good matchup. OKC. I would have preferred Green Bay, Kansas City, just being honest, but uh, this is a really good one. This is a really good matchup. All-time matchup, too. So on that note, everybody, hey, have a great week. We'll be back next week talking props and everything else, lines, all that stuff. And, uh, yeah, be good.